Hey everybody, welcome to the inaugural recording of the Cosmic Car Wash podcast. Uh, my name is Paul Daly, with me is my best friend Rick Kaiser, and uh, maybe some of you have seen us before on a previous iteration of our podcast we've called The Four Corners. Uh, it's coming into a new year, kind of revamping the direction that we feel like God has taken us, and uh, I think I speak for both of us and I say we're very excited about this new direction, it feels very um, near and dear to my heart and I know to yours. And um, yeah, Rick, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself a little bit um, and then we'll kick it off and talk about uh, how all this started for us and uh, where it's gone over the last uh, 15 months or so and, and where we think it'll go. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, my name is Rick. I live in... Uh, Southside Virginia, so Paul and I, uh, there's a lot of miles between us. He's up in Michigan in the frozen tundra. It's not so bad down here. Our winters are short. They last a couple weeks. So hopefully this winter's almost over after this weekend. But uh, Paul introduced me to a podcast approximately about a year and a half ago, correct? Yeah, not quite. <clears throat> yeah, almost a year and a half ago, John Eldridge and his son Blaine and the, uh, our ambivalence towards the return of Christ it's a four or five parter. Between the two of us, we probably listened to it what fifty times, at least. Yeah, and uh, it, it was uh, spellbinding, earth-shattering, and uh, uh, knee-buckling to say the least. It can, it literally changed my perspective on the gospel, on life, on serving God and serving the kingdom. It um, is. Paul and I say quite a bit, we were both born again, again. Yes. And uh, so that has led us on this journey um, over the last uh, approximately 18 months to uh, we stumbled upon uh, Gary Black's book uh, um, of Dallas Willard uh, before as he was dying, uh, preparing for heaven. And there's a chapter in his book called Beyond the Cosmic Car Wash. And it is just profound. And that is the basis, the crux of our our brand new podcast. And uh, so that's where we begin today. <clears throat> and with that being said, I'm going to pass it back to you, Paul. Yeah. So th these podcasts that you know we're talking about, um, John Eldridge uh, and his son Blaine uh, recorded them and, and released them back in September and October of 2020. And for me, it all started, I was uh, just out running errands, and I like to listen to podcasts while I drive. Um, and I had listened to some of John Eldridge's Wild at Heart podcasts in years before, and didn't really connect with him, but I really love his writing. And uh, as I was going through the podcast feed, just seeing you know what titles kind of stuck out to me, um, at the time it seemed very random. Um, I had no idea what I was getting ready to listen to. Um, which that's, I'm just amazed at how God changes our lives in the most subtle ways. Um, but I saw the title of this first of a, a series of five podcasts, um, Why Are We So Ambivalent Around the Return of Christ? And immediately I thought back to a time probably six or eight months before I listened to these podcasts. And I remember thinking about, 
you know, I've been a Christian my whole life, raised in church. My parents um, were not just Sunday morning Christians. Like, they really did everything they could to raise us to love God and serve God and integrate Him into every part of our life. But over the course of my life, I just kind of grew numb to a lot of the earth-shattering truths uh, about Jesus and about the kingdom of God. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, I know Jesus is coming back. I absolutely believe it. If somebody put a gun to my head, I would stick to that. I believe it's happening. But maybe maybe in my lifetime, maybe sometime a thousand years from now, I didn't know. It certainly doesn't have the life-changing impact on me that something like that I think should have. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, Jesus is coming back, but so what? I've got problems in my life. I've got things I got to deal with. I'm paying the bills. I'm, you know, working through personal issues in my life, working through marriage issues, you know, all of this stuff. And the return of Jesus and the kingdom of God just seemed so other. It was not connected to anything that I was dealing with. So I started listening to this podcast, and I would say within the first five, maybe ten minutes, I was hooked, absolutely hooked. And, yeah, um, I have probably listened to that series of five podcasts now um, a dozen or more times at least. Uh, And every time I listen to them, just going back and hearing things that I haven't heard before, and uh, the Holy Spirit helps to um, show how that message, not only does it matter, for me as a Christian, uh, but it's, it literally reaches into every single facet of my life and in, it's intended to change everything about my life. Um, so, you know, as we go through this podcast, um, you know, I know we'll, we'll reference different parts, uh, of the podcast from John Eldridge that has, uh, meant so much to us. Um, it also for me led into, um, authors like, I, I mean, I've loved C.S. Lewis, you know, for a really long time, as millions of people have, um, you know, familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia. I've read some of his other apologetic books, um, but seeing that uh, he understood this um, decades ago, and mm-hmm. uh, so rediscovering some things from C.S. Lewis, uh, N.T. Wright, who is uh, excellent, the Bishop of Durham uh, with the Church of England, um, is the world's foremost New Testament scholar and has done extensive writing uh, on the writings of Paul and uh, Paul's understanding of the gospel and its implications for our lives. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Rick um, came to know about Dallas Willard, who taught about this for decades. He was Uh, 50 years a professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California had never heard of him before this Uh, Mm -hmm. but his writings have dramatically impacted me by way of Gary Black's book preparing for heaven so um, it's really grown and so uh, I think maybe for people that aren't familiar with this or um, you know just kind of joining us on this journey the cosmic car wash um, the way Dallas Willard explained it. That's the first place I had heard that that phrase, the cosmic car wash. Um, 
and this is a rough summary that probably doesn't do it justice, but um, because of what the church, the well, really just the Western church, American Christianity, uh, has believed about the return of Jesus and the future state of the world, um, the dramatic difference that Jesus always intended for his followers really got lost in the whole left behind rapture, uh, Armageddon, end times, judgment stuff, you know, where this angry God is going to come down and destroy the world and we're all going to be whisked away to some heavenly abode to, I don't know, like sit on clouds and strum harps. And that's why it was so disconnected for me. It, was, it wasn't anything that I could imagine. It wasn't anything certainly that I could hook my hope into. So <clears throat> Dallas Willard explained that um, when we get to either life after, life after death, or on the other side of Jesus's return and the beginning of the great renewal, um, sin and death are dealt with um, and are gone, but we don't just automatically, whoop, all of our character issues are resolved and we just get to spend eternity floating around. You know, like who we are now carries on into eternity. And so he said there is no cosmic car wash, you know, so... Um, the implications of that are huge, and it's something that we are going to, you know, explore and digest and talk about um, over the course, you know, of this podcast as as we continue to go through this and all the implications for our lives. But that's just kind of a a very brief um, introduction into uh, what the return of Jesus, it really has changed my whole life. And I absolutely, I have it marked in my phone. I will get a reminder every year on October 26th. This is my born again, again date. Because I grew up in church and I never, ever saw this. And that's not to say that it wasn't preached and not to say that it wasn't taught. I'm not blaming this on my parents or my childhood pastor or any pastors that I've had as an adult. It's always been there. The message has been there from even before Jesus. Like David prophesied about it in the Psalms, and Isaiah prophesied about it in his writings, and all of the Old Testament prophets, you know, were looking forward to the coming of the kingdom of God and this right. radical transformation. Um, really, if I could just, one kind of rabbit trail or part of this that's so exciting for me is um, we're not leaving this earth. And I know, Rick, you and I have talked so much about this. It fits with the biblical pattern, but we're not all waiting for God to come down and just take us away. Like, the earth gets renewed. This earth that I know and love, I've <clears throat> had the opportunity in my life uh, I was in the Navy for 10 years. I got a chance to travel around the world, a lot of different places in Europe and Asia and Africa, and I've seen some places that are just absolutely beautiful, and there's this longing in me to go explore and, and really intimately know these places. And it's so exciting for me to know that the earth doesn't get destroyed and blown up. It gets renewed, and it's going to be so different and so much better that it is the new earth that John prophesied about in the book of Revelation. But I, I, 
I don't know how to say this plainly enough. Like I am looking forward to going and experiencing these places again in the renewal of all things. Like we have an eternity. There's no stopwatch on our lives. There's no time clock that we're racing against to try to get everything done before it all blows up. Like we get to be here forever, but in the presence of God that is complete and full and takes over every part of our lives. And I think I'm rambling a little bit, but that's just, it's exciting for me. It's so exciting. Yeah. And it has given me hope that I never had as a Christian. I, yeah, 40, 43 <clears throat> years old I was at the time. And I was born again, again. And this is, I now understand why the apostles who walked with Jesus for three years were willing to give up their lives. You know, they weren't just preaching a cross and a crucified Savior. They were preaching a, a cross and a crucified and risen Savior who is coming back to make mm -hmm. all things new. And as that has settled into me and continues to grow and germinate in me, I get it. Like, this is a message worth dying for. This is a message worth living for. So... I'll leave it at that and let you continue on, Rick. But I'm just, I'm excited and I'm glad to be yeah. doing this with you. <clears throat> Likewise, it's, uh, yeah, it is definitely a renewed um, excitement and zeal. Um, I like what um, Dallas Black said, uh, kind of a play on the Great Commission. He calls this the Great Omission. Mm. And you start to think about some of just, they are so obvious even uh, simple scriptures when Jesus ascended to heaven and the angels were standing there with all of these, how many did they say were there? Hundreds of, of his followers and believers were staring up into the sky and they said, why are you looking up? He's going to return the same way he just left. Yes. But somewhere over the millennia, two millennia, we have gotten convoluted and to believing that he's going to come and check everybody's bus pass and we're all going to leave. And then he's just going to wipe out the face of the earth and earth. And th that is contrary. And, and what's interesting is that the, you know, the great omission <clears throat> is rarely preached anywhere else, but here in the United States among a handful of denominations. Mm. And uh, when you grow up under that, uh, you know, I mean, when I was, I don't know, 10 years old, I was in Iowa at a revival at a, an auditorium and I ran to the front because I was terrified because if I didn't go down and say a prayer, I was going to burn in hell forever. And it was a very profound mm. experience. Uh, I truly, uh, I'm looking back, I, I did receive Christ and, uh, but it was uh, kind of a fleeting thing, you know, read your Bible. I was told that, you know, we, uh, there was a whole room full of kids. We were just little kids. And, they, uh, you know, they asked how many hamburgers we could eat in a day. And when you're 10, you can eat hamburgers till you pass out. <laughs> 100%. So they said, however many, however many hamburgers you could eat, that's how many chapters you have to read a day because chapters are like hamburgers. So I started in Genesis 1, verse 1 in King James. I'm 10 years old, and I tell you, that did not taste anything like a hamburger. <laughs> it tasted like stale rice or rye crisp, you know, uh, an old rice cake been laying outside for a couple of weeks. 
it just, yeah, it, it didn't jive. And, um, but that seems to, it, it just really permeates a believer's life. And I, and I was reading again today, kind of brushing back up and, uh, Gary Black's book, um, preparing for heaven. And, uh, he's talking about his grandmother and she's a believer her whole life, yeah. but yet she was the crotchetiest complaining. I mean, she just was bitter and angry and crotchety and ungrateful. She would do nice things for other people and then explain about them. And him and even his children struggled with that for so long. And the funny thing is, is I ran into somebody the other day I hadn't seen in a while, you know, church, church person, church friend. And um, as I'm standing there and listening to them, the same, I get the same thing is that, you know, uh, what great things God has done, yet I'm just angry and bitter and I, you know, have anything nice to say about any preachers. And, uh, and that's where that whole cosmic car wash. And I've wondered at times, and I, mean, I don't know the, the exact location of the scripture that, uh, um, you know, the great deception, if it were so, all, everyone be, would be deceived. I've always wondered about that. Even before I ever had, you know, this revelation through, you know, John Eldridge and C.S. Lewis and N.T. Wright and Dallas Willard, you know, there's more of us than people realize. And I, I hate to narrow, say it like that. There's more of us. There's more people that have caught this revelation. Yeah. And, and you're right. It is incredibly freeing and liberating, surprisingly, and because we don't have to wait. Yeah. And there's too many people waiting. And... um I uh, completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> so I'll pick it up from there. You know, one of the things, um, so as we're, we're talking about the cosmic car wash, maybe it would help to uh, use the illustration that Dallas Willard used. And if I could, I'd like to read um, a couple short paragraphs here uh, from uh, Gary Black's book, Preparing for Heaven, where he is relating things that he's learned from Dallas Willard. And so... <clears throat> As it pertains to uh, who we are in the kingdom of God after this life in this unit of time, he said, let me try to illustrate these ideas as clearly as possible. Imagine the eternal soul of a disciple of Jesus is represented by a perfect circle, with one quarter of the circle shaded black to represent the part of the soul that's been captured or controlled by the darkness of sin. The common assumption for most people is that immediately upon dying, the circle representing the soul will go through what Dallas called a cosmic car wash and emerge in heaven free of the black stain of sin. In other words, many Christians assume that at the moment of our death, every ounce of sin is completely erased as if it never happened, and what we end up with is a perfectly completed or whole and finished soul. It won't be like that, Dallas said of this assumption. Perhaps a more accurate illustration would be to visualize our souls entering eternity as a misshapen circle, more oblong than round, or as a pie with a significant slice missing. Dallas argued that a disciple's soul enters heaven completely sinless, but not complete, not flawlessly round, not whole. Our sin is removed, but incompleteness remains. Part of the problem we face in thinking about this idea comes from our confusion centered around the two words perfect and complete. We enter heaven perfect, meaning without sin, but we are not complete. We are not finished, nor is God finished with us. 
As an example, Dallas would often say that a small tree sprout could be perfectly developed at every stage of its maturation while remaining incomplete. Likewise, as we, learn to as we learn to choose to live and walk with Jesus in the intermediate state of paradise, he is able to complete the work he first began in us, bringing us to our fullness in Christ. Eventually, God will finish the work he started, as he said, in, as Paul wrote in Philippians 1.6 and 1 Thessalonians 5.23-24, but this will take some effort, time, and grace. So, I like that was a really clear understanding for me, and then there's... You know, I think one of the things that you and I will dive into in subsequent episodes is how that really jives with what Scripture teaches. And, you know, you and I, um, you were the one that kind of hit me to this, the, the, the profoundness of the story Jesus told about uh, the Lazarus, Lazarus the beggar and the rich man. So maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, what you learned it's from funny. that. I was just going to go there, so... Get out of my head. <laughs> Great minds think alike. No, that's, I was thinking to really simplify this and narrow this down to this one parable that we've all probably read. Anybody that's been a Christian for some time has read this, and that's when he talks about the parable of the rich man and the beggar Lazarus, and then they both die. And getting into the details of this, um, uh, of course, the, the beggar is, you know, he the dogs aren't licking his sores anymore, but the rich man carried all of his indifference, his selfishness, his attitude, and his arrogance into eternity. It's right there, as plain as the pages before us, yeah. uh, even to the point to where before he took a wide berth around him, but now he's in a place where, can you please send Lazarus over here and have him dip his finger in the water so I can and put it in my mouth. I mean, this you know, this is the guy that was disgustingly filthy, yeah. covered in boils, and the dogs were licking his sores. And now, yeah, your attitude's going to change a little bit. You know, yeah, okay, he was gross then, but I'm thirsty enough now that I'll drink, I'll lick the water off of his finger. So, <clears throat> looking at that, he didn't change. Um, you know, and some people might look at that. Well, that's what hell's like. You don't change. Um, the uh, and you know something I was laying in bed one night I shared this with you it was kind of as a vision I had uh, just a few months ago and it, it occurred to me that if this were the case if this is the case to where we're just Im immediately transformed we go into heaven and all of that is removed our character is changed everything is removed and we're perfect beings we're made like Christ uh, how would we know the grace, the kindness, the salvation, we're not going to know any of that. It would all be gone. We, we Literally, we would just be a bunch of uh, robots that have no recollection whatsoever. I wonder why, where we are and why we're there. Right. We will remember. We will remember everything. And... Um, yeah, I, I love this book, and this chapter is probably one of my favorites. And um, uh, the just to paraphrase what uh, Gary Black wrote in his conversations with Dallas Willard, uh, to be clear, the myth at the crux of the cosmic car wash ideology is the belief that our last breath leaves our physical body, so too we leave all the results or effects of our sin behind. 
the assumption goes we begin eternity from the very moment we open our eyes or wake up in heaven as shiny new spiritual beings, utterly whole, lacking in nothing, in a state as if our sin and effects have left no impact on our lives or perhaps never existed at all. Such a belief system drains much, if not most, of the motivation away from engaging in the difficult, slow, and patient process of spiritual transformation and character development while on earth. Instead, all the cosmic car wash requires is for us to hang on by our fingernails, keeping hold of our systems of sin management until we die and the car wash will take care of the rest. And this has been perpetrated on the church now for about 200 years. Yeah. Is, you know, close your eyes, bow your head, slip your hand up, say a prayer, and um, then deal with it for, you know, I mean, if you're 20, year old, 20 years old and you do that, chances are you might have to spend the next 60 years waiting for, you know, Jesus to punch your bus pass. And, and right. there's, you, you see what I'm saying? It is created somewhat of a powerless religion. We've almost gone full circle, you know. Um, Dallas Willard called it whitewashed tombs. Yeah. You know, and we really, if you start to think about it, it is very sobering to think that, in light of all of the stories and the history um, and the parables and the written word of God, you know, describing the lives and the acts of the Pharisees. And I mean, they were extremely religious people. And yet how far removed are we really from, you know, that demographic, how far? And you start to think about it and it's, it's sobering yet once you embrace this, you know, and you shared this with me, I would have never stumbled upon this if it had been for you. So thank you. Um, it's lib there's something extremely liberating about it. And I can't describe it in words. It just takes my breath away yeah. that uh, we don't have to wait. I don't have to wait. We don't have to wait um, that this is doable. We can do this. I mean, that's, you know, then you start reading, you know, the, the, you know, the, the gospels and, and the, the new Testament and the letters. And you realize these guys already had hold of it. Yeah. They had grabbed it and sunk their teeth into it. How else was Paul able to say, forgetting what is behind, I press on to take hold of that, which has taken hold of me. Yes. You know, Oh my gosh. And that's what it is, is to be able to do that, that each and every day is not this, you know, uh, this crowded, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just endeavor, laborious, you know, of trying to get through one more day without just completely shipwrecking our faith and, and throwing it all away to come crawling back, you know, hoping that Jesus can appease the anger from his surly father. And, uh, and yet that is so contrary it's so contrary, but so many people are under that impression. I was, you know, that he was angry and I had to, you know, uh, I mean, Jesus was, you know, standing between him and I, uh, you know, and just said, no, 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 dad, dad, he's with me. He's with me, dad. He's with me. You know, <clears throat> don't kill me. <laughs> and, uh, and yet, what did he tell Philip? If you have seen me, you have seen the father. Yep. Yeah, one of our devotions the other morning, the on the Tim Mackey project that we're doing, we're uh, uh, gave, you know the year read the Bible in a year, and uh, he said something so profound about you know not making graven images, 
And he said, God has already made images of himself. It's you and I. Us. It's us. And that just, as simple as it is, it's just hit me. It was so profound. Yeah. You know, so this, you know, I, I think that as we go forward, um, and I've been praying this a lot, is the means to share the message in its simplest form and to, to where it becomes more than just words. It becomes uh, an epiphany. It becomes revelation. You know, it becomes that click that you can't unclick. Yeah. And that's what it needs to become. And that's what happened to you and I. And I'm, I am sure there are thousands, tens and hundreds of thousands and millions others that think the same thing and, and have, you know, finally come out from underneath the great omission, you know, uh, of the rapture. And I know that people are, they really, really um, are invested in that. And, uh, you know, if you do this, look at the history, it came from a teenage girl 200 years ago yeah. who, who they suspect had a fever at the time and had a dream. And that has become the doctrine of the great rapture. And to me, it's, uh, it's very limited. And personally, and I, I don't know how many comments we'll get, but I, I don't know, just throw it out there. Could that be part of the great delusion? Yeah, yeah. The uh, the strong delusion to believe a lie. Yeah, that's so, it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody knows the, uh, the 70s, 80s, 90s Christian group Petra, but they wrote a, uh, a song called um, The Days, D-A-Z-E. Um, that was one of their lyrics, a strong delusion to believe a lie in the last days before the haze. So, wow. um, yeah, it's so good. I mean, there's so many, um, so many aspects to this that really serve to reawaken our faith, um, and make it possible. It gives us the power. It gives us the hope to live this life. Um, there's always going to be things in us until we get to uh, the the full realization of the kingdom of God on earth. There's always going to be things in us that have to be worked out, and uh, there are going to be days when it's you know more difficult to get out of bed and you know get back to the grind than others. Um, but I will say, in the last, I think it's been about 15 months. It was uh, it was October of 2020 that I discovered this. Um, in the last 15 months, the arc of, uh, of my life, the, the general tone and um, atmosphere of my life has been dramatically more hopeful, more, more full of life, mm -hmm. more full of joy, peace. Yeah. It's made it possible for me to love people that I didn't care anything about before and um, it's made it possible for me to deal with the daily frustrations of life that we all deal with in a way that um, what my prayer uh, over the last year or so has been, you know, God, I hold my life with an open hand. Like I'm not going to grab hold and try to squeeze all the life I can get out of this life because this is all I've got. I can, I'm free. I'm free for the first time in my life 
to mm. face disappointments and be like, well, uh, it's disappointing, but okay, it'll be all right. right. You know, um, one example in particular, you know, I enjoy, um, I say I enjoy hunting. Really what I enjoy is sitting in the wilderness and enjoying the beauty of nature and the peace and quiet. And I had this moment a couple years ago that really highlights or kind of uh, represents that where I'm, I'm in the Manistee National Forest in northern Michigan. Uh, it's, you know, pre-dawn and I'm in my deer blind and it's black except for the moonlight that was coming through the trees and shining off the snow on the ground and it was like deathly quiet and it was so peaceful and healing and I had brought my Bible with me and a journal and I spent you know 12 hours just sitting there I didn't get a deer that day but I had such an amazing time of just sitting and and meditating and it was it was healing on a soul level and so this last November I uh, was supposed to head up there and do the same thing. I'm part of this whole deer camp tradition with friends and friends of friends that have been doing this for 50 years. And I was literally had bags in hand, ready to walk out the door, you know, and take the three-hour road trip north. And things were going on at home, and my wife had other plans, and she was kind of going a different direction. And it was just kind of chaotic, and I, I just felt like, you know what, if I try to push ahead and get what I want out of this... It's just going to cause more chaos and confusion. And so I say all that to say, like, the this message about the coming renewal of all things and who we are now matters and what we do now matters. And Jesus came and showed us how to participate with him in the healing of the world. In that moment of, of realizing that my plans for this perfect weekend that I had really been looking forward to for months, it wasn't going to happen. I was able to say... It's okay. I put my bags down. I told my wife, you know what, I'm here for you. Whatever you need. You know, she was helping to prepare for a friend's wedding and was doing food and photography and all of this. And I was disappointed. I acknowledged that. I was like, man, I'm, I was really looking forward to going. But it's okay because there's no ticking clock. Like, the, the, the Manistee National Forest, the beauty of nature... The, the beautiful earth that God has given us, it's going to be here forever, and it's going to be even better. So there is nothing good that's lost. I can afford to hold my life with an open hand and not press ahead trying to get what I want and push my agenda. I can just let that go. And I had a wonderful weekend with... I ended up, you know, going with my wife up to some friend's house and we reconnected with them. We hadn't seen them in a while and it was beautiful and we laughed and we talked and it was really wonderful, and none of that would have been possible if I had tried to push ahead. Because I'd have been sitting in my deer blind, thinking about how, you know, my right. wife is struggling to kind of take care of all this stuff by herself, and I wouldn't have enjoyed it. It was going to be rushed, and it's like, you know what? And it, that's for me just a really simple, practical example of how I never would have been able to do that before mm -hmm. this understanding of right the beautiful renewed like coming renewal of all things that that God has given us and you know one last thing I'll say and what kind of helped inform my decisions in that moment um, I think it was another podcast uh, uh, later on down the road uh, of, of John Eldridge he asked the question when you view your life now 
from the other side of eternity, how will you want to have handled the things that you're dealing with? What kind of person will you want to have been now when you get there? And I was able to say, yeah, I want to be the kind of person who is not selfish, who lays down my agenda, who loves other people and sacrifices him, himself. And I don't mean to make it too dramatic. It wasn't like I was, you know, right. it was it was a very, very small sacrifice on the scale of, you know, right. everything. It wasn't, it wasn't Sophie's choice. Right, so. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, that's what I hope we can communicate to people, uh, you know, as we go through these. And, you know, I think maybe we'll... Um, just we'll pick different aspects of this that have have become clear to us and you know just kind of talk about those things and talk to people in real everyday life like what what this message of the the soon return of Jesus Christ the the renewal of all things the fact that God is no longer mad at us you know what does all that mean for our lives so mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? It, it is somewhat fantastical a when you start bit, yeah. to think about it. Yeah, it does. It reads like a J.R. Tolkien novel at times, you know, or, you know, Narnia. It just it's so fantastical. But yet when you start to look at the scriptural references, it clicks yeah. to where it's true. It's real. God created Eden and then he created mankind and put them Eden in Eden and he came and walked with him every day in the cool of the day. We don't know how long that time period was, you know, it could have been hundreds of years. It could have been two days, but we don't know that. I have a feeling it was much longer than people think more than people realize. And, um, you know, the renewal of all things, it's just littered throughout the whole Bible is that, he, you know, he's not going to blow it up. I love what N.T. Wright says. The end of the world is not the end of the world. Exactly. You know, and um, and even early Christianity, <clears throat> there's tons of Christ, uh, scripture references. Um, uh, the early Christianity did not understand heaven only as a place to go when we die, but also as a powerful reality that has come to us. Consequently, heaven was not reduced to, a psychological, to psychological terms that point to a feeling of euphoria or an altered state of consciousness that took one completely out of the physical realm or into an out-of-body experience. Instead, heaven was understood as able to invade both. Um, the uh, Christianity is more than trying to live from one day to the next without screwing up or making God mad, or, uh, you know, trying to live a decent life so that when, you know, either he returns or uh, we breathe our last on this side of eternity, is that somehow we're going to, you know, get a a check mark and, all right, you can come in. But yet at times, I, I feel like it has been reduced to that. Yeah. If people were just, you know, or, you know, just a sinner saved by grace, you know, and I know Joey hates that <laughs> because it, uh, it, it's a, it's a hall pass, right? Christianity has become a hall pass and I'm not bashing it, you know, but we, you know, people, we pray for revival, you know, and yet we still cling to such antiquated notions 
of, you know, somehow if we close our eyes and slip our hand up at the end of a church service that everything is repaired and done for an, and it doesn't matter what happens after that point when we die we're going to go to heaven you know and there's going to be you know we'll have a little check mark or something uh, we'll see yeah no it was sunday it was uh 2019 it was in june i remember but i slipped my hand up uh yeah you know what according to our records you did so come on in come on in you know, um, and what does it produce? What does it produce? I love the story of the Good Samaritan and the priest that came down from the temple. To come down from the temple meant you were leaving because the temple mount is on a hill. Yeah. So if you were coming down, that meant your service was done. They had fulfilled their religious obligations. They'd fulfilled their duties. So that meant they did not have to go back for possibly a year. You know, 30 days, even a year before they had to serve again in the temple. And yet their religion did not help that guy laying in the ditch. It did nothing for him. Right. And so, you know, the question is, is what is it doing for us? Not us. I mean, because I think that's the problem. We're more concerned about what it's going to do for us than what it's doing for the great renewal. I prayed this morning that I want to be busy now in the great renewal and God. And I've been praying that for both of us. And yeah. in this podcast is that show us how to be engaged in the great renewal. Now yeah. what's happening now. And I think, you know, just to uh, put the cherry on top of this is when uh, Thessalonians, when he writes, you know, at the trumpet blast, we'll all be, you know, the dead in Christ will rise and the rest will be taken up into the air and changed in the blink of an eye and we will meet him. Um, and to the, to, that, to the reader of that day, the, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. As he is writing to them, they understand exactly what he is saying. They don't, they're not looking at this as some uh, existential, you know, uh, thing where they're all going to escape. They understand what it means. Yeah. It's just like when Jesus came to Jerusalem riding on the donkey, what did they do? They all went out to meet him, and then they went back in. Any time um, royalty, uh, you know, kings, queens, or Caesars, heroes, conquering heroes, any kind of dignitaries that came, they had to go out and meet them and applaud them and then usher them in. They didn't go out and meet them and then they all left and went somewhere else. Right. And uh, I love what you said. It's gonna be the greatest U-turn in the history of the world. <laughs> yeah, but man. people, we have, you know, we have made this impenetrable doctrine based on that scripture and it's not, it, it is completely taken out of context, but yet people cling to that um, with incredible, I mean, almost furiously you know, how dare you? This is what that means. Because I, I have met people that are convinced that we, we won't be here. We won't be here for that. We, you know, we'll, we'll be gone. We'll already be gone. Really? Where, where are we going? You know, we're going to meet him just like they did when he came riding on the foal of a donkey. Yep. We're going to meet him the same way. And we'll be changed in the blinking, of, you know, in the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye. But how will we be changed? We're, we're not going to forget everything. Right. Basically, what it means, and you said, is that sin will be done, and so will death. 
but we'll still be the same people. Yep. We'll still be the same. We'll remember everything. Otherwise, we would all look like uh, Mr. Anderson, or no, Mr. Smith from The Matrix. <laughs> right. So all the bunch of whole bunch of Mr. Smiths. And uh, no, you'll still be Paul. I'll still be Rick. And uh, we will remember. We will remember the grace and the kindness and the mercy of God. And uh, the more we do now, the more we participate now in the great renewal, I think the easier the transition will be. Yeah. So, you know, not that it's going to be hard, but it's like you said, it's like Gary Black said, is that God's not, won't be finished with this. There's, you know, so anyway, I'm rambling. Yeah. More to come, more to come. This is exciting. And I think I love the, the, just to wrap it up. Um, the story that you referenced, uh, the great, the good Samaritan, you know, this podcast is for the people that are in the ditch. There you go. We were in the ditch in some regards, we're still in the ditch and that's what we're offering is help for people in the ditch. That's what the message of the great renewal is. Amen. All right. Amen. Cool. Thank you everybody for joining us. If you like this, um, get a hold of us, let us know. Um, you can leave comments here in the video, probably the easiest way to find us, and uh, we'll work out, <clears throat> since this is our initial uh, podcast, we'll work out our recording schedule, I'm thinking probably once a week, and uh, just continue to, to take aspects of this message and bring it to you and hopefully bring life to you the way that it is bringing life to us. So, there is no cosmic car wash, but there is a coming great renewal. Amen. All right. Amen. Thank you all.